0: Now before we start, I want to share a little story with you. Um, it goes all the way back to the 28th of April, 1968. That's like almost 55 years ago. I know that's not when I was born. Um, it's from America. The editor of a, a small magazine in, in America, a man called John. You know it's from America with names like that. Uh, he decided he would run a publicity stunt on a farm outside Washington. He wanted to see and hear what a piano would sound like. It was dropped from a helicopter. I think that's a
1: pretty good idea. Unless you really love pianos, I think that's a class nice idea from um,
0: so he gets a, the pilot to take the piano up in a big strap, and just as he's about to let this this is about to release it, the pilot looks down and says, There's too
1: many there's too many people down below. I'll I'll kill somebody if I drop this. So um Jug's with him and Jug says, no, nah, as you your going,
0: on, it'll be fine, it'll be alright. They'll move. Trust me, it'll be like the Red Sea, it will just split
1: as soon as you drop this thing. And sure enough, the piano drops, and the crowds do spread, and the piano drops into a big spot in the middle and makes a delightful crunch. But I want you to imagine if you were standing there whenever that piano was dropping. And if you hadn't noticed the piano, if you hadn't noticed the piano, I don't know how you wouldn't, but to say you
0: hadn't noticed this big piano hanging from a helicopter above your head. You're just minding your own
1: business, completely oblivious to what was happening. And somebody gave you a thump and said, you need to get out of the way. There's a piano falling from the sky. You'd think they were absolutely their right. head? A piano. Like a piano, an actual piano. Falling from the sky. Don't be ridiculous. Pianos don't fall from the sky. What do you think would happen? If that was you and you were standing there arguing with that person that not a chance is there a piano falling from the sky, what would happen? You could switch. Absolutely, it wouldn't end very well, right? Because whether or not you believe there is a piano falling from the sky wouldn't change the reality that there was actually a piano about to hit you in the head. And that might seem like the most random start to a student. Okay? But what I want to show you tonight, if I can, is that what you choose to believe doesn't change the reality of what's there. What you choose to believe doesn't change the reality of what's actually there. If you've got a Bible with you, if
0: you don't, just look at it on your phone if you've got the Bible on your phone. We're looking at John chapter 18. So John chapter 18. And in John chapter 18, we have Pilate questioning the Lord Jesus after he's been accused of blasphemy. And this is just before he goes to the cross, right? So we're in John 18, verse 33. So I'm just going to read a few verses here. John 18 verse 33 says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? So are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself or did others tell it of thee? In other words, did you just, did you just think about yourself or did somebody tell you that's who I am? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? You, thine own nation, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What thou What have you done? Verse 36 says, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. He said, I'm not from the the earth.
1: I'm from a kingdom that's outside of this place. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth, heareth my voice. Uh, And verse 38, Pilate saith unto him, and this is a bit, Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out. Pilate wasn't asking that question because he wanted to know the answer. Pilate asked that question and then left. What he was saying was, what is truth? Truth's not a thing. There's no such thing as absolute truth. You believe what you believe. And I'll believe what I believe. And we'll just leave it there. If you really think you're a king, then that's fine. That's okay. But I don't have to. I'll believe what I believe, and you believe what you believe, and we'll all the top ever the Isn't that that kind of what people do today? Maybe I haven't noticed, but you know, a older maybe and you start to notice how people think and how they act. It's kind of what people do today. No absolute truth. It kind of suits people to think that there's no such thing as a right or wrong answer. No absolute truth.
0: No absolute truth means that they can live whatever way they like. No absolute truth means that they can
1: be whatever gender they like. A girl can just decide to be a guy. A guy can just decide to be a girl. This is no absolute truth. You can be whoever you want to be. They believe they can get into heaven, whatever way they like. Sure, all religions get there anyway, isn't that they, say? they can be in a relationship with whoever they like. They can smoke and drink, whatever they like, because there's no absolute truth. You believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe. See, if you try and talk to somebody about your faith, it's probably what you're going to get. That's okay for you. That Christian stuff, that's okay for you, it's not for me. That's what you believe. And that's okay, but I believe something different. I'm sure we'll both end up in the same place anyway. That's a lie. And we know that's a lie. But what we're being told is that actually you're not allowed to think that. You're not allowed to think that's a lie. Because there's no such thing as absolute truth. But young people, there is. There is real truth. Real truth is it says that can't happen. You can't believe what you like and expect to end up in the same place. And that little story that I told. You can deny the fact that there's a piano about the corner here. If you don't do something about it, come going to you. Because there is a thing called absolute truth. Now some of you have come tonight, I hope you have, by the way. We'll look at this a little bit later. Some of you have come tonight maybe with questions about creation, about the Bible, about science and how that works and I want to get to those a little bit later on, give you the chance to actually ask them, now I'm not saying I have the answers by the way but we'll talk about them and see, there might be some things that are, are helpful but there is an answer and that's kind of what I want to leave with you tonight, there is such a thing as truth there are answers it's not just what somebody guesses or what somebody proposes or what somebody teaches There's actually a right answer and a wrong answer. And it's not a wrong thing for us as Christians to want to find out the answer. Sometimes Christians are even scared to ask questions. Just in case. In case the answer is even scared. In case the answer kind of confuses me too much. And then I'll say, maybe I don't believe all this stuff. It's not wrong to ask questions. It's just not. It's not wrong to want to know the answers. How old is the earth? When did the dinosaurs
0: die? Did the flood actually cover the whole world? Did God use evolution? Is God actually there
1: at all? How come the stars are like billions of miles away and yet we can still see them? What about the really old rocks? How do we answer that? These are wrong questions. These are good questions to ask. Really good questions to ask. And it's not wrong to want to know the answer. And it's 100% right that we should want to know absolute truth. We should want to know why things are the way they are. We should ask questions. Where do we find it? Where do we find absolute truth? Absolute guaranteed truth. Look over in your Bible. Still in John. Think over to John chapter
0: 8. <coughs> John chapter 8. So John chapter eight, verse thirty one, or we'll start pretty much from verse thirty one. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, John chapter eight. And in the middle of verse thirty one he says, Continue in my word.
1: So he says, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples, then are you my disciples? And listen to this And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Now that means the truth will give you freedom and understanding. The truth will give you freedom and understanding. That's a wonderful thing. The truth will give us freedom and understanding. So let's do it. Let's try and answer some of those questions. First of all, I want to answer the question... You mean not a question you've asked? A question some people ask. Is science evil? That's the question. Is science evil? Is science wrong? Is it the enemy of the Bible? Is science evil? Anybody want to give me a definition of science? What is science? Maybe all <clears throat> I've got one by the way, We will just put it off my, 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 my website, so is, now yeah, what is science, We like, do science. science, it's good, well, you should know, right, come on, there's all kinds of people, right, what is science, <laughs> what, <laughs> <laughs>
0: anybody want to give me a just crack at I mean, what, what? how would you define science, <laughs> Okay, the subject's okay. I could then ask what are each of those, but that's okay. I'm not, that's unfair. Okay. Right, so I'll give you the definition I have there, but that, it certainly ties in with all of those three. So science by definition, this, is, this isn't the, the perfect definition necessarily, but I think it kind of helps. So science by definition is a systematic, so like a logical, evidence-based
1: approach to understanding the world. Okay, It's a logical, evidence-based approach to understanding the world. It involves making observations, conducting experiments, proposing hypotheses, and analyzing the data to test those hypotheses. The goal of science, apparently, is to develop a deeper and more accurate understanding of the universe and the laws that govern it, right across the three sciences. So that's science. Is science evil? Do you think science is evil? Do <laughs> He doesn't know what question I am. Mean. <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <coughs> science itself is not evil. Science is wonderful. No, you might not think that if you're honest, okay? I, I love science. So, chemistry, chemistry is all right. Do you like chemistry? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I love science all the way through. Science is fantastic. Science is an
0: incredible
1: method, an incredible tool, an incredible way of understanding the world around We should not be scared of it. Christians should not be scared of And, and I, I'm not talking to you being scared of science in school, but don't be scared to dig into stuff either, scientifically. As a Christian, that's a great thing to do. It's a brilliant thing to do. It's a helpful thing to do. There's nothing evil about science. But that leaves us on the other question. Has science made God redundant? The question. So redundant, in case you don't really know that word. Redundant effectively means unnecessary, no longer relevant, no longer needed. Has science made God redundant? Is the question. If we have science, then do we still need God? So that's a question people have battled over. for years. We have science, do we still need God? Science is advancing so much. Do we still need God? Why don't you imagine you come in tonight and there's a cake sitting in the middle of the door. Nice cake, chocolate cake. Chocolate? Yeah. Chocolate. Okay, so it's chocolate cake, right? We do it. So, if you saw that, if you walked in here and there was a cake sitting there, you would have some questions. Okay? First question might be, who put that there? What's it for? Who made it? Why did they make it? Why is it sitting in the floor? Is it edible? And can I have it? Okay? Those are probably the questions you would have. All those. Or maybe just go straight to, can I have it? I don't know. But anyway, let's say you have the other questions. If we use science, do you know science can take that cake and it could tell you what's in it? It can tell you how much sugar was used. It can tell you how much chocolate. It could probably give you a rough calculation on the amount of flour, It could tell you how long it was likely baked for, although maybe not exactly. It Might even be able to tell you how fresh it was, because you want to know if the cake was sitting there for three weeks. Okay? But science couldn't tell you why it was there in the middle of the Couldn't. It wouldn't tell you whose birthday it was. Wouldn't tell you how somebody managed to get in and leave it there. It could tell you it was baked. They couldn't tell you if it was cooked for 40 minutes at 180 or 30 minutes at 190. You wouldn't know what type of oven it used, or in good zone. It would be impossible for science to know this. It's the same with the work. Science can help us understand the climate. It can help us understand physical forces. It can help us understand the human body, the biological cycle, the chemical reactions in the environment. Can help us develop new medicines, explore interesting technologies, and discover planets? They can't tell us why they're there. Never tell us why they're there. Can't tell us why they exist. Who decided the part? Why are bodies here? How do the animals know what to do every single time? Why are they even there? Science can't answer this question. this an excellent book that I, um read one time, pretty much talking about all of this, it was called Can Science Explain Everything? was a question. Brilliant book. By John Lennox, a Cambridge Maths Professor, I think he's from our Maths. Now, I don't necessarily agree with everything in the book, I'll say that. So maybe be careful if you're reading stuff, and use your own discernment and wisdom. And he's the one that used that example of cake. Science can tell you to cake, This is what one you said. It can't tell you why it's there. Think about that. Science can tell you to cake. It can't tell you why it's there. And that's where this thing about a hypothesis comes in. Have you, you know a hypothesis? A hypothesis? Okay. <clears> There's <throat> A few nods in there, so somebody tell me what a hypothesis is. And every time I say this, I'm going to go, huff with so hypothesis, okay. So somebody tell me what a hypothesis is. No. Yes. Anybody? Right. Anybody? Come on. Somebody. It's a theory, okay. So it, it's a,
0: it's a theory. It's a starting point. It's a starting point to, I think this will do this thing, or I think this is because of this. Okay, so yes, it's a theory. It's a good way to put it,
1: actually. It's a suggestion. It's a suggestion for how you think something came about or how you think something will react or respond, okay? It's the basis of all science. All science is based on hypothesizing. If you present the hypothesis, your job is then to test that hypothesis, that theory, that suggestion, and see if it stands up against what you've observed, what you know, what you're aware of, what somebody else has already found. And that's really what science is. It's coming up with suggestions and then test them to see if they want. If your result matches your hypothesis, you're a step closer to the truth. If, not. if it doesn't, then you learn from that, and you go again, and you go again, and you go again, and you go again. You're constantly trying to get closer to the truth. <clears throat> if you take a cake, for example, so we've got this cake sitting in the middle of the floor. If we were to try and find out scientifically where it was made, when it was made, who it was made by, and how long it took. How do you think we'll go about that? Put your science hat on it. Like school, Saturday You have unlimited resources, unlimited time. How might you find out who made it, where they made it, when they made it, and why they made it? Do you not like that? What's your hypothesis? Where would you Mm start? You need something to put down and go that's where I'm going to start and I'm going to test that there and see if it holds up. (laughs) (laughs) In the box? Okay. So you're presuming somebody bought it. Okay. okay. (laughs) Maybe they buy the box. Okay. That's not bad. You've already made a hypothesis, your hypothesis is if somebody bought it from a shop. Okay. okay, I was hypothesizing somebody put the effort Okay.
0: Yeah, you could absolutely, then you, that would be your starting point. Okay, you might very quickly discount that if you can't find the box and you go back to square one again. <laughs> My suggestion is I would need to, if I
1: wanted to get right down to that level of understanding all about the whys of that cake, I would have to replicate that. So I would have to make a case. I'd have to take my hypothesis, which is that the cake uses 50 grams of cocoa powder, 100 grams of sugar, 3 eggs, and 200 grams of flour. That's where I'm starting. I don't know how I, that. I never made it. But I then make the cake. And then I would compare my cake to the actual cake. And see how close it gets. And then I keep on trying and trying until I get the exact blend of ingredients. Right? And once I've done that, then I would have to put it in every oven the going down. And test it at every length of time, until I got the exact cake every single time, with the exact right ingredients in the exact right oven for the exact amount of time. Once I could perfectly replicate that cake, then I find out whose oven it is, and I find out that that person was a daughter that was a scooter. So firstly, good execution. Okay? Easy? No. I can't replicate that cake. I mean, that's how I would, that's how I would replicate it, but I couldn't do that. It's not possible to replicate that cake. But that's the only way you could ever answer those questions as to why. Mm-hmm. Now, I tell you the other way you could find out is if the person who made it left a note beside it and said, this is how I made the cake and this is why I made the cake. Does that sound familiar? If you were to ask the question, how did the work begin? What's your answer? Then we leave a note. We can ask all the questions we like and have all of the theories we want, but the person who made the cave left the note and told us exactly how it did. That matters. That really matters. Can you think about those questions, maybe you have one on your head, and we'll get to some of them. So how did the world begin? That's what we want to know. Why are we here? What happened to dinosaurs? I come Earth is the only place with life on? What happens when we die? These are questions that people have. And people love to think that science has everything wrapped right up. Can science explain everything? Is it helpful? Yep. I love it. It's brilliant. Absolutely, it's helpful. It's wonderful. It doesn't answer every question. How did the word begin? Let's try and do this scientifically. Okay? Let's imagine the note wasn't meant for. It. Let's try and do it scientifically. So first of all, what's your hypothesis? So run with me on this one. Your hypothesis might be the whole universe as we know it is packed into a tiny little dance state. Can't even see. 14 billion years ago, it exploded. It expanded. it has been expanding ever since. That's a hypothesis. Okay. So we've got one. So where did the tiny pack of denseness come from? Not a clue. That's okay. We'll park that. We're dealing with just our hypothesis. So we'll figure that out Can we replicate it? Nope. Can't replicate it. Okay. What about a smaller scale? Can we replicate it? Nope. Because nothing on Earth that exists is that small and dense and we've never seen it. Can't replicate it. It's it's not possible to replicate it. But does it fit with what we see? Partly. The big universe had to come from something. Okay. Fair. You could background radiation in the, in the in deep space that indicates some sort of intense heat that like maybe an explosion. You've got redshift that kind of implies movement, expansion. Right? You've got the hadron collider that has found particles that give mass to other particles. That's interesting. If that's why everything could be so tightly packed in and out. Right? So that might might explain how you get all the universe into something so small then you ask, well, are there any other hypotheses? Mm, that's kind of the best. And off the scientists go and they spend their time trying to test that hypothesis. That's how science works. And that's effectively what is happening in the scientific community. The scientific community is off trying to further test that hypothesis. When they discover new things, they test it against the hypothesis. If they need to shift the hypothesis, we will do it. If it fits, then great, we'll work it in. They're searching for truth. That's genuine, that's genuine science, that's good science. I don't happen to agree with it. That's good, sound, reliable science. They've got a hypothesis, they're working towards it. Right. I have no problem with that. Neither should you. Perfectly good science. But, so is this next bit. And this is where people look at what Christians think and think you're nuts. That's perfectly good science. How did the word begin? Well the Bible says God began. Okay. Not for me. That's our hypothesis. Okay, where did God come from? I mean he was there the whole time. Always has been. Somebody might say, okay, scientifically I can't prove that, we'll park that for now. Alright, fair enough. Done. Can we replicate it? No. We're not God. We can't replicate it. Does it fit with what we see? Well, God says He made the earth as a circle. It is a circle.
0: He figured that out around 500 BC. He said that He made the
1: water cycle to ensure that the rainwater ran into the rivers and the rivers ran into the sea and then made it to rise again into the atmosphere. He only figured that one out about 1600. But God said, he also said everything would die and decay, even the earth itself. That was something scientists only discovered in 1865. God said So the evidence actually backs up the hypothesis pretty well, scientifically. Any other hypotheses? No, don't that. And then off the creation scientists go, to the pies People love to forget that the pies a Christian. God believing scientists as well. So off they go and they spend their time working to demonstrate that what God said is absolutely true, perfectly measurable, and scientifically so. That might seem like a wee strange thing to say, but I want you to see both of those are scientifically correct. Two proposals for how the world is done, two starting points. One included God, and one of them. Both perfectly scientific. Perfectly scientific. If you want to just have a scientific argument, they are both perfectly valid hypotheses. Don't think that one is somehow scientific and the other is very, very. It's not. They are both perfectly valid scientific arguments. They're both perfectly scientific. They both start with a hypothesis. They're both tested against what we see and what we know and what we understand. Neither of them can be replicated. But here's the clincher. Only one of them is right. Why is only one of them right? Because there's a thing called absolute truth. There's right and there's wrong. Only one of them is right. They're both perfectly scientific. The only one of them is right. So how do we know which one? That's the question. But really it's no more complicated than if you believe God exists, if you believe God exists, your hypothesis has to start with God. It has to. There's literally no other way for that to start. And if you genuinely want a scientific understanding, then do it scientifically. Look at the evidence tested against the hypothesis, and it checks out. It will check out against the Bible. You don't need to look any further, it will check out against the Bible. Every single time. what I want to just share with you is, is science isn't a threat to Christians. It's not. It's an opportunity to prove that absolute truth exists. It's found in the Bible. You watch what the world does, how it moves, how it interacts with the space around it. Watch the environment and how predictable it is. And the more you learn from observable science, the more you learn from what you see. And I love science. I was five years at Queen's Physics. I loved it. As a Christian, I loved every second of it. Because the more we learn from observable science, not the hypotheses and the theories or the guesses, but the more we learn from observable science, the more we can test it against our hypotheses and see that it fits. And our hypothesis is the Bible. Neither we believe this to be absolutely true, but in a scientific perspective, our hypothesis starts with the Bible. Now, that's not going to be the case for somebody who's not a Christian. You're never going to make them think that they have to start with God. They don't believe in God. Why would they start with him? But if you do believe in God, why would you start with anything else? You wouldn't start with anything else. Science changes. Every year, more things are discovered and add it back into the hypothesis. Fascinating things, Wonderful things. And if you listen to what they find, it's not the theories or the hypotheses, but what they actually observed and you test it against your starting point, the word of God, they'll always fit. But it doesn't fit all the science books. You know the science books that the older ones here were using when they were younger? The vast majority of them have been rewritten for you guys been rewritten because it's discovered more stuff. Pretty much every science book that ever existed has had to be rewritten or have additions to it or, or changes to it or somebody's written a paper on why it's wrong. Pretty much every scientific book that ever existed. In all that time, the Bible has never had to be rewritten. Because the hypothesis still fits. The more they discover, the more it fits. That's what science is looking for. Science is looking for the truth. You're starting the own thing. You need to start with God. And build on from there. Because once you start taking God out of the equation, you have to find some other way to make it work. That's why we have the theory of evolution. Because if you take God out, what else do you have? There's people that appear. There must be some way to make them all appear. Make them turn into animals and various other things. That's why you need the theory of evolution at times it fits. At times it definitely doesn't. Big Bang Theory is the same. If God doesn't feature in your life, you need to find different options. So just to finish this wee bit, I'm going to ask you to do any questions. Just to finish this wee bit, think back to that story. To start. The entire world can tell you there's no peon that's all in your head. If the Bible tells you the the Bible, there's a peon that's in your anyway. That's simple. The Bible's right. The entire world can be saying one thing. The Bible's right. It stands on every single time. Hopefully that helps just to give you a bit of a broad view of that. And do, yeah. do does anybody have any questions? Does anybody come with questions? Or do you have any thoughts on or even some of those questions like <coughs> no, I threw up to you? Does anybody have any questions about those kind of you talk about those things I've mentioned or Questions of creation, or I think somebody mentioned the flood at some point. Anything you struggle with, you sort of think that's the one that gets me every time. See if, and I might not have the answers, but I might be on where right go. One, oh, who do wonder? One for me is whenever you're reading textbooks in school, and you see like posters up on the walls of all the different like. Jurassic periods, and you see, like it's say, 100 million years ago, 200 yeah. million years ago, yeah. and that all kind of comes from carbon dating. Yeah. What's kind of what's the Christian perspective on that then? How do you kind of look at carbon dating that's a good perspective? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, there's actually quite a few tied into that, and in that um, the age of the Earth and all of that stuff is is definitely tricky. Um. So the rocks is where they kind of get that from, the geology side of things. There are three, from what I remember, there are three forms of carbon data. There's, I think, C4, C14, c mm-hmm. C22? There's three forms of carbon dating, anyway. These are
0: C14. C14 is the one that gets them, that gets the scientists that have the hypothesis. They've already got the hypothesis, the word's old because... They needed it for the theory of evolution,
1: because the theory of evolution needs so much
0: time. So they've got the hypothesis that the world is old.
1: We know that carbon dating, sort of half-life of carbon, allows you to date certain things. Um I don't know if it works for the rocks, I not, the rocks It's fossils that it work for it. Um, because the rocks are anonymous. Anyway, if something has life in it, they can use carbon to work out the half-life, and it goes all the way back to, I mean, work out how old it is. Uh, two of the forms of carbon dating give a result within sort of thousands of years, somewhere between four and ten thousand years typically. For the, um the C14 gives the millions of years result. Now if you're working with a hypothesis of millions of years and you know that carbon dating isn't a perfected art but it seems to give results, you'll naturally think the one that's given you the millions of years one is the one that fits. And so it's been the one that's been accepted. But actually, Answering Genesis actually doing a good piece on this. Um, if you use either of the other two carbon dates, it gives it an earth that's between four and ten thousand years old. And I actually think in, in the Bible you can work out that it's more like six thousand years old. If you fall from harmony, you can let everybody have their son all the way up to go all the way up to Christ. You know. It's been six thousand years old. Uh but the carbon dating actually ties in with that. Just not C fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, but you can understand why people they're not being sinister or evil. They're choosing the answer that best fits the hypothesis The other one just, just I'm gonna mention that one. Right, this one interests me, it might not interest anybody else. The stars. All right? So does anyone know how I can't remember, actually somebody write that. The, the, our nearest, the nearest star to us is X number of million light years away. So you, you know how that works, a star, if a star is whatever, a million light years away, that's how long the light takes to get to us. Okay? So if we can see it, that means the light's been travelling for that amount of million years. Okay? So naturally then that makes you think, well the Earth has to be that old then to have got the light to come, the universe of to be that open. Um, two, what I think are really good answers to that is one being, whenever God made flowers, okay, so flowers and grass, do you think He put the seeds? So I'll show hands because you, you, you can decide this in your own mind. Do you think He laid the grass out as grass in the Garden of Eden, or do you think He planted it deep in the ground the seeds and let it just come up over time? So it was just like a big sort of soil, and then after like three months, there was decent grass. What's your gut feeling on that? Did he make grass and flowers, or did he make all the wee seeds in the ground? The advice that he came back and thought that feeling grass and flowers. So I didn't just see. okay, fair. Um. So,
0: so my feeling is, that if I can jump to the conclusion that when God says He made flowers, He actually made the
1: flower, then when He made the stars, I think He was perfectly capable of making a star that had already shed its light towards the earth ninety-eight percent of the way. When he made Adam, he didn't make Adam a baby; he made Adam a grown man. So why couldn't he make a mature star that was already shining? Possible. That's one. That's one answer. The other answer which is, intrigues me more. I don't know if you've heard. see so you, speed of light. Does anybody know what's interesting about the speed of light? What's useful in science? About the speed of light. In right. this it's the fastest thing. But even more than that, speed of light never. That never changes.
0: So they say the speed of light is
1: constant. It's one of the few constants in the universe. Some people argue that and say, actually the speed of light is slowing down. And I think that's a really interesting piece of science that I don't think they have quite pushed far enough. If the speed of light is slowed down, that means at some point it's faster. If it was faster, then is it not possible that light traveling, what to us now seems like a million years? It actually been 4,000 years. It's actually like slowed down. But I think that's an interesting way I know that. if you had a creation scientist that was pursuing that, I think they'd find some really interesting stuff. Because non-Christian scientists have been quite intrigued by the fact that the speed of light seems to be slowing down, over the last 50 years. Anyway, so right, another question? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that, like, maybe the stars are like, already shining. The another the Earth as well. I in It's another hypothesis, John, uh, John, absolutely. So yes, it could. And, and I, this is the this is the beautiful thing I think of the Bible. God has given us so much. And I think He's allowed us to enjoy science and what science brings. So you could absolutely run with that as a hypothesis and say, okay. Let's say God did that. So then if He did that, that would mean, you know, other things would also be old and of a similar age. The challenge with, no, not really a challenge with that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfectly fine hypothesis, you know? Yeah. I think the carbon thing is interesting that two of them show the age within thousands of years and the other one shows a really old. one. Of course, God could have this is the thing I think that's one thing you've got to stand back from every so often, exactly like you've done, and said, "Could God not have the answer is always yes, but that's a great point, Joe yeah, yeah, God of course could have could have done any of that yeah anything else? Any other questions? you can ask a question if you want, if you want. Yeah. one more anybody know any burning questions about things that. Well, do people challenge us with stuff? If you're talking about Christian things that are or creation or... Don't be scared to either. Don't be scared to have this conversation. Don't go away hiding one from the actual question. Stay to the mind, although they all the not try to find But they're even after. Don't be scared of it. Okay. Well, then I'll talk to uh-huh. all right. I'll, you later. Alright, I'll pray to you. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, Father, we thank you for the time we have together, just um, uh, chatting about these things, and um, considering absolute truth, Lord, and we thank you that the Bible is so clear on so many things, it just gives us that clarity and that understanding of of your ways. And and we thank you for the fact that absolute truth exists, and even though the world tries to deny it, that we know that there's there's a a saviour to be sought, and there's a heaven to be won, and we need to be uh, finding you, Lord, and we need to be trusting in you, and uh, have our sins forgiven, and know that we are avoiding the judgment. There's a judgment coming, Lord, and we pray that even to say we're friends and family, Lord, you help us just be faithful, and speaking to them, and sharing with them the absolute truth of the doctrine. And we pray that you just help us, Lord, even as the guys that are interested in scientific things, that may pursue those things, and may their into careers, and those maybe already already um, thinking about those things, and, and questioning things. I that you just help them to enjoy what science offers and enjoy what all of, even even scientists that aren't Christians, just the wonderful work that they've done to, to bring things forward, to advance things. Uh, I pray that you just help us to discern and help us be wise and help us to know what we can take as observational and as, as um, factual about how the world works and to then uh, cut through the theories and applying back in the s the scriptures and see if they of each other. time. just help us with that, Lord, help us. just uh, this evening tonight is we've we'll got a fellowship together, we've got a fun together, and we thank you for the supper that's been provided, and thank you for the whole and for everything else.